0: 40 days of renewal actually begins tomorrow for the next 40 days we're concentrating on God doing a work of renewal in us and us being very receptive to that and what we're going to be doing on Sunday mornings and for many of you in your life groups is we're looking at areas of our life that are basic sins although this list is not specific in the scripture the the sins that we're going to be talking about are uh, later they became uh, really popularized by the catholic church and this guy by the name of dante as you probably know uh, created some some art in expression of these seven deadly sins is literature that really was expressed in an artistic way and and so uh, a lot of people are intrigued by them i'm not so intrigued by them but to say this that these are seven sins that we're going to look at that jesus christ gives us victory over And unless we walk in the victory of Christ in these areas, these seven sins will actually multiply in many other sins. So it's good for us to concentrate on what Christ is setting us free from, what Christ is giving us victory in. And the Spirit of God is doing something refreshing in us regarding these areas in our life. So that's what we're going to concentrate on. And the one that we're going to focus on first this week is actually the sin of pride and how Jesus gives us victory over the sin of pride and how He, in His humbleness, His nature of humility, can come into us and very much be part of every expression of our living So the Bible states that God hates pride and arrogance. In fact, it says it this way, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. I couldn't get past that verse as I was contemplating on many verses this past week in preparation for this appeal to us today. I could not get past this verse. And the first words of that verse just have gripped me and I want you to concentrate with me on it for a moment the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil would you just say that out loud with me for a moment the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil one more time the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil can I just tell you there's some areas that have been evident in my life where the fear of God is lacking and it's because I have not hated the evil in fact there are places and times and areas and attitudes and words and expressions and actions in my life that have proven the opposite of that. And what I need is a renewal of God that I might fear God, I might reverence Him, that I might hold on to Him and His word more than I would hold on to that which is evil. So I want to forsake that which is evil and not just forsake it. I want to hate, that which is evil, because I have a great reverence for God, for the will of God, the way of God, and the word of God. So that first sentence and that uh, little section of Scripture is pretty important for us to get, that the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Now, he gives us a listing of that which God is hating, and he says it's this, it's pride and arrogance, and the way of evil, and the perverted speech. God says, I hate that. All right, so anytime God is saying, I hate that, we ought to be attentive to that and say, and God, I want to hate that too. I don't want a part of that. I don't want to hold on to that. I don't want to be fancied with that. I don't want to be entertained by that. I don't want to move towards that. God, if you hate it, I want to hate it because I fear you. I reverence you. I'm in awe of you. And I know that one day I'll stand before you and be held accountable for everything that is done in this body. So this gives me alert, and it probably does to all of us, that we need to hate that which God hates, and what God hates is pride. Now, don't get me wrong, God doesn't hate all pride. What God hates is pride and arrogance. Yesterday, our oldest son drove up from birmingham it was a busy week for him he had been moving over the last several days and yesterday was his really scheduled to be his concentrated day to move but i asked him if he would come to gadston to participate in the funeral for flub heartsick which he did and he didn't give me any excuse he didn't say oh dad you know that's not easy for me or this is not a good time he just said yes i want to be there for the family i want to be there for the church family and he drove up and he sang and as he was singing his dad me my heart was full and it was full of pride and that was pride unto honor not pride with arrogance it was pride that my son had heard the ministry call of the spirit of God that he loves this church even though he's not connected with this church any longer he serves the church in Birmingham that he loves his Lord he loves this church and he wanted to minister in that moment and that was a pride that God does not hate so God is not hating all pride God is not hating pride that is unto his honor what he is hating is pride that is unto our arrogance a pride that is unto self righteousness, a pride that is unto conceit, a pride that is lived, life is lived without God on the forefront and others above ourselves. So God is not hating all pride, but He's hating specific pride. In fact, He gives us that in Proverbs 16, 18, and 19. He says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So it's the pride with a haughtiness. He says, it is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. That there is a a greater good that God will give to us when we humble ourselves and are with people who are humbled. And certainly, God is counter to that which is of pride. Remember, uh, Lucifer, who is the son of the morning, the, the dawn of the day, as Scripture would say, one that was a worshiper of god the the chief among the angels lucifer was one who ended with pride he put himself as that above god he said he wanted to be over god and he wanted others to see him in that position and it's that that he was cast out of the presence of god he was cast out of heaven pride does that pride pushes us and cast us away from God. Adam and Eve, when they were placed in the glory of the Garden of Eden, ended up with great pride when they saw in their own eyes what they determined to be good for them rather than what God determined to be good for them. They saw that they could actually have knowledge without God and that they could be like God if they acted in a sinful way. So in their pride, they sinned against God and you know what happened God cast them out so pride has a repercussion and the repercussion is we are cast from the glory of god we are cast from the presence of god pride does that it blinds people to seeing the need of god and that's why jesus when he came and began his earthly ministry his public ministry one of the first things he said is this blessed are those who are poor the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is given to them the kingdom of heaven belongs to them in other words it's not the prideful it's not the arrogant it's not the accomplished but the humble those who recognize that they are spiritually bankrupt and don't have two pennies to rub together in order to gain access into the kingdom of God those who recognize in and of themselves they have nothing to offer God in the conclusion of it all we have two things to offer God our sin and our life that's it In humility, we come to a place where we say, God, please, we beg for mercy. And God says in that, I receive you into my kingdom. He gives us mercy, he gives us grace, he gives us the wonder of his kingdom. But pride blinds people from seeing God's righteous judgment and God's gift of the Savior. It arrogantly causes people to believe that they are worthy of acceptance of God or even that they themselves are God so let me just make about three points today as we're just working through this subject here's here's the first pride obstructs people from the way of god's salvation it's not just that pride forces us to be removed from god which we all are but pride obstructs people from the saving way of god one time the disciples came to jesus and they asked him a question they said hey among us who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven they weren't asking about what is great in the kingdom of heaven they were asking about themselves lord among the 12 of us who of us is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven they were jockeying for a position and remember the lord's response the lord answered their question by saying uh, you've got it all together wrong you've got to change the way you're thinking about this you you've got to completely reverse course he says this truly i say to you unless you turn unless you think differently unless you repent unless you get out of this wrong way of thinking unless you turn and become like a child you will never enter the kingdom of heaven it's not just that you're not going to be great in the kingdom of heaven you won't even gain access to the kingdom of heaven that's what pride does pride keeps us from the kingdom of heaven so we humble ourselves as a child, and as we humble ourselves as a child, then that becomes the greatness of the kingdom of God that God will usher us in. So, you and I have nothing to offer to gain access to the kingdom of heaven, and that's sort of like a child in the first century. Now it's different today. In the twenty-first century, we place children first. Uh, we say when it's time for uh, Christmas dinner, uh, all the kids come first, and. Mamas fix their plate, or we let the kids fix their plate. That's not the way it was in the first century. In the first century, children would look down upon. They had no prestige, no privilege, no possession. They had nothing to offer. And Jesus is saying: unless you understand your access to the kingdom of God like a child. In other words you have nothing spiritually to offer god in the kingdom unless you understand that you'll not gain access but if you understand that and you come to me as a child not only will i give you access i'll give you everything in the kingdom what the disciples were thinking when they were asking who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven was just completely off course it would be like in the presence of greatness who are we? What greatness can we proclaim when we are in the presence of the great and glorious God? Wow. It would be like you and me taking an extension cord, plugging it into the house, going outside with a lamp from the house, putting it on the driveway on an August summer, sunny afternoon, plugging it in, turning on the lamp and thinking somehow, way, we've made a significant contribution to the light of the day. That's ridiculous. And so it is that we would ever think we have anything in and of ourselves that we can offer the grand glory and greatness of the kingdom of God. So Jesus says, come, come as a humble child and I'll give you everything, everything. I'll make you a joint heir with my son, God says. I'll give you the riches of heaven. I'll give you the universe, I'll give you my presence, I'll give you me, you'll inherit God. An amazing thing. But pride obstructs people from that way. Pride rejects the notion of humility, and if you reject the notion of humility, then you reject the notion of salvation. So if you've been trying to accomplish and achieve in order to earn credit with God, then what Jesus is doing is he's saying, let me relieve you of that burden. Let me take that off you because it's a burden. I carried that burden for a number of years when I thought salvation had to do with my goodness. And even in the walking and journey of my salvation, I thought, okay, I'm saved by the declaration of Christ, but I got to take it from here and I got to do everything I can do in order to please God every day and i'm not saying that you are not to please god but i'm saying you can't please god in and on your own, in and of your own strength you come to the spirit of god you come to the counsel of the word of god you come humbly and submit yourself to god and he will give you this nature and this righteous way of living that is absolutely pleasing when it is filled with faith and that's what 40 days is all about it's not an attempt to renew our life in our own strength It's not an attempt in our arrogance to say, I'm going to do something that's going to be worthy of accomplishment before God. It's the opposite of that. It's saying, God, I have breath today because you gave me breath. So with the breath that you gave, I'll praise you. God, I have eyesight today. I have cognitive ability. I have reasoning. I am going to read your word with that skill and ability that you've given to me, and I'm going to trust that you're going to speak to me. It's, God, I have utterance today, so I am going to proclaim your goodness. I'm going to read your word, and I am going to speak to you in your presence. That's what 40 days is about. It's about taking that which God has entrusted to us and given to us as a gift and walking in that. And pride is also keeping people from God's wisdom. Not only will it keep you from salvation, but it will keep you from the wisdom of God the general message of proverbs is found in in about three verses it's the thesis section it it tells what the entirety of the book is about i think and it's one that perhaps you read in your life group today it's proverbs 3 5 6 7 and it really gives us a, a declaration from god about what the whole book is about it says trust in the lord with all your heart Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. And now, verse 7, Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. That's what we were talking about earlier. Fearing God and rejecting, turning away from evil. Hating what God hates, which is evil. But I think what this section is saying is, Humbly look away from yourself and look to God. God recognize that you don't have the wherewithal by which to make the right wise decisions but god does and trust that he will give you that and walk in that walk in that grace and that gift that he gives to you now the world's message is very different from that the world's message is something like this uh you'll figure it out just go with your gut the world's message is follow your heart and god says to us oh your heart is wicked it's deceived it's it's not to be trusted god says oh if you go in your own understanding you're destined for the failure and the fall and you'll be separated forever from god so in his grace and his mercy we humbly come to him and we say lord we trust you not ourselves We trust your heart, not our heart. We trust your ways, not our ways. We humble ourselves and we come to you. And in that, God gives us wisdom. That's what all Proverbs is about, coming to an understanding that we are broken to the point that we're foolish, but that God gives us great wisdom so that we can walk wisely before him and before others. So to gain wisdom, we must first reject the notion that we are wise, And pride will keep us from that. Pride will keep you to thinking that you've got it together. And if you just try harder, you'll accomplish it. Humility says the opposite. Humility says that God is the one who has it, and He will give it to me if I submit myself to Him. So when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. That moves me to the third point. Humility moves people to seek Jesus and His Word, the Bible for wisdom so a healthy holy fear of god prompts us to not be self-reliant but to be dependent upon god and his word to live our lives proverbs contains as you know the wisdom uh, much of the wisdom of solomon he wrote thousands of proverbial statements and some of them are given to us in the book of proverbs and the majority of those that are written in the book of proverbs are from solomon but there are some other people that have participated in the collection as well agar is one of them king lemuel is another and in chapter 30 we get the words from agar who also has a wise understanding that comes from god so i want to refer you to that over in chapter 30 of proverbs will you just flip over to that section in your bible because here's the words that i really want you to cling to as we're beginning this process of 40 days Says the words of Agar, the son of Jacob, the oracle. He, here's the declaration he's saying. The man declares, I am weary, O God, I am weary, O God, and worn out. Now, look, this is a summation from a guy who has tried his best to accomplish what God requires. And he says in the end, he repeats it, so it's it's with real emphatic uh, order that he says, I'm weary i'm tired god did you hear me i'm weary and i am tired we will all come to that if you're trying to gain access to god the conclusion will be i'm weary and tired and i'm short if you're trying to gain glory without god the conclusion of your life is going to be i'm weary i'm tired and i'm falling short whatever it is you're trying to live the righteous way in your own strength and in your own power the conclusion is going to be the same believe me i know i've lived it i'm weary i'm tired i'm short and that's where agar has come to he's recognizing i'm weary oh god i'm weary and i am worn out verse two surely i am too stupid to be a man (laughs) that's that's a lot of humility right there isn't it i'm too stupid to be a man and i have not the understanding of a man i have not learned wisdom nor have i knowledge of the holy one now here's a transition that's humility my friends that's a man who recognizes that he is nothing but a child in fact he goes even further to say i'm not even a man when it comes to the wise ways so he's utterly humbled now watch what happens god doesn't leave us in that place God is going to give him wisdom, and it's going to come from heaven. All right, listen, this is the the wonder of God's good news. You say, I am far from righteous. I get that, but God is going to give you righteousness from heaven. You say, my life is not unto his glory. I get that, but God is going to give you glory. You say, I am distant from the presence of God. I understand God will give you his presence. You say i'm not wise and that's what Agur was saying i'm not wise god will give you wisdom but you have to at first admit i don't have righteousness i don't have glory i don't have obedience i don't have wisdom god i humbly come to you he will give it that's that's the rhythm of god's mercy and grace he will give it if we humble ourselves before him and he does so in verse 4 it begins who has ascended to heaven and come down who has gathered the wind in his fist who has wrapped up the waters in a garment who has established all the ends of the earth what is his name and what is his son's name surely you know every word of god proves true he is a shield to those who take refuge in him do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar now here's Here's some important points, I think, of this section of Scripture. The first one is this. Without divine revelation, there is no true wisdom. Doesn't matter how smart you are. Doesn't matter how much book sense you have. Without divine revelation from God, there is no wisdom. Because wisdom comes from God. Creation was spoken by God. Everything in creation is from God. In an orderly way, God has made wisdom. Wise in creation, made wisdom seen and evident. There's not a person with excuse to not know that there is a God because the wise order of creation declares it. So we recognize that wisdom is from God, wisdom is from heaven. Now, human searching alone cannot provide wisdom, it is from heaven. You can search for it, you can ask for it, you can seek it, you can read it, you can listen to the instruction of people. In the end, wisdom is comes from heaven and heaven alone so in recognizing that Eger says i'm looking who is the one who can do this who is the one who can create who is the one who can gather the wind who is the one who can gather the waters who is that what is his name and that reminds you of moses what is your name and who will i say has sent me all of mankind wants to know the name of god who is he what is your name and then here's the trigger that i was just captivated by and what is your son's name agar understood that god would manifest wisdom in his son and he would bring wisdom to earth through his son what a glorious prophetic declaration he gives to us in proverbs and then third wisdom belongs to god he makes it known through his son jesus and his word so we have wisdom the wisdom of God is evident in Christ it is he is the wisdom of God and we have it in his word so with that being the important points what is our response well I think first we come along eager and say Lord I humble myself and you can't get more humble than the way he is attributing life to himself it's the opposite of pride he says lord i'm weary i'm worn out i'm stupid i have no understanding i mean how much more humble can you get this guy is saying lord i don't have what it require. what is required of me so he's humbly recognizing who he is and then he asks god in his grace for what he will give and what he's seeking for is wisdom so here's a response from us lord i'm humble before you i'm asking for this i'm asking for wisdom will you give me wisdom And Lord, I'll do my part by studying and understanding what I'm studying, the word, the counsel of Jesus. I'm going to look at the words of Christ that have been given to us in the Bible, and I'm going to look at the message of the Bible, and I'm going to read it believing that that's where wisdom comes from. And I'm going to submit myself to it. So for the next 40 days, we're going to focus deeply on God's word. We're going to do it repetitively at least three times a day. Be prompted to be in God's word because we believe that God's word is the wise counsel from Him to us. And we want to make it the preeminent counsel in our life. So, Eger says in the end, God will give wisdom through His Son and through the words of His Son, and I will not add to His word. So, we believe this is the preeminent word and counsel of God for our living. And I'm not going to add to it. It's not like okay, I've got the Bible and I have Dr. Phil, (laughs) or I have the Bible and I have my favorite blogger, or I have the Bible and I have Pastor Randy. No, no, no. It's I have the Bible, period. That's the reason why any words that I tell you from this platform, I try not to speak in my own opinion. I try to speak from the counsel of the Word of God. I'm not going to give you some psychobabble up here. I'm going to... Point us all to the Word of God, believing that it is the preeminent source of wisdom for our living. And when we humble ourselves, recognize that we need that, God will give it to us and He will open our understanding to it. So, of course, pride is something that God hates because it discounts everything that I just said, it rejects most of what I've just said. Pride is the arrogance of our life to be lived without God. You say, Randy, I really don't have a problem with pride. You know, pride is evident in my life when I choose not to be in the counsel of God's Word. It's prideful that I wouldn't read God's Word every day for my own life and heart. Pride in me is obvious like a neon flashing sign when I go throughout the day without humbling myself before the Lord in prayer. And pride is evident in me when I have not determined to praise God throughout the day. That's arrogance. I can live my life without the counsel of the word today. I'll do it tomorrow. I can live my life without prayer. I'll do that tomorrow. Or I can live my life without moments of worship and praise throughout the day. I'll do that on Sunday. My guess is all of us struggle with pride. And that pride, God hates. It causes us to have a distance from God. It causes us to have an obstruction in the pathway of God. It causes us not to have the wisdom of God. And without that, we walk in ways that are foolish and destructive pride's probably a great place for us to start isn't it to look at it in the beginning of the 40 days because pride is has little fear and reverence of god pride beckons us to follow our heart pride diminishes the voice of the wisdom himself jesus pride mutes the wisdom of others who will speak into our life and pride says i oh, just lean on your own understanding and all of that is the opposite of god so as we begin 40 days i want to ask us to commit to some things And here they are. Five things very quickly. Humbly surrender yourself to Jesus, trusting in his salvation and his righteous way. There's no question we have all struggled with pride and sin. We've chosen the way of folly over the way of wisdom. There is one who did not do that. There was one who is perfect in righteousness, one who has never sinned, one who never struggled with pride, one who had the glory of heaven and left the, the glory of heaven and took on the flesh of mankind and lived in a humble way, without arrogance, without pride. He didn't say anything that he had not already heard the Father say. He didn't go anywhere that the Spirit of God did not instruct him to go. He didn't do anything that he was not instructed to do. He was absolutely humble. He was without sin, and his name is Jesus. And he took our sin of pride and arrogance and every other sin upon himself on the cross and he was weighted down with that and then the justice of God was poured out against his own son with our sin on him on the cross so that we might have freedom from that. He resurrected on the third day after his death in order that we might have a new way of life with his Holy Spirit who came and now dwells within those of us who have faith in God who sent his son if you haven't yet, humble yourself before the Lord and come to Him in saving grace. Submit yourself to Him. Then humble yourself daily before the Lord in prayer, praise, and in, in reading His Word. Humble yourself by gathering with others in prayer. It's meant to be a, a collection of people gathered together, living life together. So we invite you to join in on some cottage prayer nights. I can tell you with all certainty there will be no renewal without prayer. It won't happen in it's individually. It won't happen in it's collectively as a church without prayer. There is not a movement of God. There's not a spiritual awakening. There is not a revival in this country or the world that was not first inundated with prayer. And so if you want renewal, if you want God to do something amazing in your life, then go to your knees in prayer and join other people who are like-minded. Kay and I will be opening our home, and we ask many of you, to open your homes and invite people to join you in prayer. Who would you invite? How about the people sitting right around you? How about the people you speak to on the way out to the parking lot? How about people in your life group? How about your D-group? How about some friends? How about some neighbors? It doesn't matter to me. Gather them together, like-hearted people, and plead with the Lord for renewal, and he'll he'll provide. And then humbly put off, as Ephesians 4 says, put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life, which is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So I think what that means first is, ask the Lord to reveal pride and sin in your life. And when he reveals it, it'll be recalled to you. Make quick confession of that agree with him that's what confession is it's agreeing with god that that's sin and then do what jesus commanded the disciples turn turn in your thoughts turn in the way you're you're believing about that by becoming a child humble yourself before the lord and ask him for the provision that you're seeking in wisdom turning away from sin and putting on the righteousness of God you know it's not just about turning away from sin in our life during 40 days it's about turning away from sin and turning to God so if you have an addiction in your life and you somehow in your own power remove that addiction in your life the devil's going to give you another addiction to take its place this is the working of the devil you overcome one area of your life in sin and he will give you another so the measure of the gospel is this you take off the old and you put on the new you're taking off sin through confession and repentance and the power of the spirit of god and you're putting on the fullness of christ in that area of your life you're going to replace it so very practically speaking Kay and i have chosen not to watch entertainment that is unbecoming of a christian one that doesn't glorify god one that removes us from the from the righteousness which is determined not to watch that and so what that means is we have to exchange that we have to do something else in place of that and God wants to put that righteousness in its place whatever it is if you're doing away with Doritos and Mountain Dew every evening you're going to have to replace that with something else which is a healthier choice and God will empower you to do that We're taking off the sin and putting on the righteousness of Christ because that's what Christ has afforded us. He's given us the means by which we do that. And then just humble yourself in a genuine relationship with a true friend, someone who follows Christ. Humble yourself with that individual and have open dialogue with them. I have a meeting every Thursday morning with a dear friend of mine. And it's an open and transparent conversation about what is going on in our lives. Everybody needs a friend like that. Now, would you do those things? Humble yourself in that way. And with that humility, see what God will do. Let's pray about that. I believe, Lord, that you're calling Meadowbrook and this community and this pastor to a expression of life that's far different from the world and you have given us the means through jesus to receive that i pray that you will find us surrendered to you humbled before you and eager to receive the gifts that you'll give to us i pray lord that all pride and arrogance would be rejected by us and hated by us, and humility would be at the core, the essence of our being. We would humble ourselves before you, for Lord, you exalt the humble. Lord, I testify before you in this congregation that I am lacking, but I know that you're not. So I humble myself before you and ask for the good gifts that you'll give. I ask you for wisdom. I ask you for righteousness. I ask you for glory. I ask you for grace and goodness. Trusting and believing that you'll give that. And I humble myself before you and many in this congregation are praying similarly even now to be before you in your word and prayer and in praise and others. So, Lord, we're trusting that you'll do a work of renewal in every area of our life.